This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. We are back this week after another week off. It seems like we're all on vacation at some point, so I guess, Brooks, we'll start with you, man. How was how was the second beach vacation in three weeks? Man, it was tremendous. It was just me... My wife and my two kids, no other family to go with us, uh, you know, which, you know, more people just creates additional logistical concerns and it makes things complicated. So going to restaurants was a lot easier. And yes, people, we did go to restaurants. We socially distanced. We did our part. So don't come at me on social media. Don't come into my DMs talking about do your part. I did my part. So we're good. We're rested. I'm tan. I'm feeling good. We did the same thing, Brooks, with our our beach vacation last week. We, my family, we don't get to go on multiple beach vacations in a year. We get one. <laughs> we get one per year, and, and it's free. And it's free for us. <laughs> um, but we've gone for seven straight years to the same spot, to the same house with a family, some family friends of ours. And this year they didn't get to come due to some extenuating circumstances. Okay, and all Corona. of us. <laughs> no, it wasn't Corona. They had, well, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to put their business out there. They're trying Cor- to sell their to house. Corona. Corona. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, we were all like, when we found out they weren't coming, I remember Tracy, who's my wife, we were, we were sitting there looking at each other and I go, you know, we don't have to stay the whole week because we didn't know we we're like the four of us on vacation together, like by ourselves, like this is going to be, we're going to get bored very quickly. I'm telling you, man, we haven't had. I mean, it was a blast. That week was, and, you, and it was on Father's Day. You got to go. You got to be down there on Father's Day. That's as well. right. That's right. Yeah. Tracy was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "I just want a beach vacation. That's all I want." So, yeah, I understand the difference between having a lot of people at a house and then just your your core family. It's it's a blast, man. But it's good to be back. Yes. So, Christian. What are we what are we talking about today? I think we have some big news. This podcast is being released. We are recording on a Tuesday night. I think it's a Tuesday. Yep. I don't know it what day Tuesday of the week night. or what month we're in. Tuesday night is when we're recording, but as we release this, some massive football news is hitting the wire. Christian, tell us what it is and break it down for us. Yeah, so I told I told everybody on our uh, VIP Zoom call to be ready for commitments, and ever since I've said that, I believe they've gotten twelve or thirteen. Uh, the newest addition is three star South Panola wide receiver Cameron Wright, uh, who is 
been a top priority for this staff. You know, ever ever since the new staff took over, this has been a priority. Uh, Cameron Wright's a, a massive wide receiver at 6'4", 200. Uh, another guy that could pot- potentially come in and, and fill in for DeMonte Coxie. Um, and just to kind of kind of piggyback off of this, if you look at what this staff is doing at the receiver position, they've gotten two uh, since the 4th of July with Raheem Roberts on the 4th of July and now with Cameron Wright, two guys, 6'3 plus. So they obviously want to get bigger on the outside because if you look at the 2020 class, they went very small, a lot of speedy slot guys, and now they're loading up on outside receivers. Um, and as I mentioned, Cameron Wright, he may not be the highest rated player, that Memphis has committed, but he has legit SEC offers. This this kid is wanted by a lot of SEC programs, a lot of other high level programs, uh, and Memphis was able to get him because they got in early. They built a relationship. He loves the staff and loves the idea of playing early. So another big addition, and we continue to see this class climb for Memphis. It's just crazy week after week. I feel like at some point you feel like something negative has to happen but it just never really seems to happen you know Memphis had a few guys leave due to attrition Josh Perry and you know uh, you know an injury but it it never seems to really take off any of the shine from what the staff is doing uh, especially with recruiting you know this commitment puts them what top 35 again number 33 I think yeah back to number 33 Um, which is just crazy as this thing develops what are the chances that that Memphis and Ryan Silverfield could actually make it to a top 50 class? Um, I think top 50 class is very obtainable right now. I know the goal from speaking to a lot of people close to the program, top 25 is their goal. And it sounds unrealistic and it sounds like, well, what, what, you know, what American conference team would come into a recruiting cycle with the, with the aspirations of having a top 25 class. Well, this staff legitimately feels like they can do it. And they've, they've kind of stuck around the top 35 for a few weeks now. Um, I think 35 to 40 is, is way more obtainable than top 25, but I wouldn't put it past this staff with the way that they've re- recruited so far. Um, I think to get in the top 25, they will need a four star or two, which I don't think is impossible. I mean, pe- people don't really put Memphis and four star recruits together, but you know, they're still in there with some guys that are right there as a high three star borderline four star guy. Uh, they've already gotten a couple guys that are close to four stars with Andrew Jones, who is in the top two, four, seven. Um, and then with JP Martin, who's close, Royce White's close, Tyrell Raby's close. So they've gotten a lot of high level guys, guys that they typically get two to three of a year. They already have four or five, uh, in this year's cycle. So I think top 50 is, is pretty much a wrap at this point, especially with how many scholarships are open. Uh, the highest the highest class ever in history was 2017 at 56. I think they're they'll probably blow that out of the water in my opinion. And um, Brooks, you mentioned a couple of the guys leaving: Josh Perry, Troy Hurst, uh, Joseph Honeysucker a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if the staff is necessarily looking at those as bad things because they were already going for 25 in this class, and now they could potentially get up into that 27, 28, 29 number, which is only going to make the class go higher. So honestly, you know, you never want to see players leave, but I think they're welcoming it because they have that many players that want to jump on board right now. Who was it like last year or the year before had like an entire football roster in their recruiting. Was it Temple that had like 50 dudes committed in a class? SMU. <laughs> SMU last year, they had like 38 because they had a ton of transfers and it stuff. It was insane. Uh, so it's not going that crazy. So uh, the dudes that Memphis could potentially get, do you want me to put you on the spot that the guys that four-star guys that could potentially throw them into the top 25 or do you want to save that for VIP? 
I think that's something we say for VIP because, like I said, it. we 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 have some names, but they're really not out there yet. Not a lot of people know Memphis is in on some of those guys, so might save that one for VIP. We've got a you know the the ongoing dollar special, and you know with some big news on the horizon, and you guys all know what it is. We we might be doing a little VIP special. So for everyone out there listening who is not VIP right now, be on the lookout for that special. Jump in when you can. And you can get that info that Christian's talking about. So, Brooks, said, you were talking. You were talking a few minutes ago about the the shine not being off the football staff, and I feel like the only shine or the only thing that could happen that would cause the shine to kind of decrease is not anything that they're going to do. It's it's whether or not we're going to have a football season this year. I on on Twitter I saw the other day that Tyrell uh, Raby said that um, that Louisiana's like I guess it was the 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 school board of education or school board of education director uh, basically put out a proposal saying they were going to cancel all high school athletics in Louisiana this year um, or until December um, and and so I keep thinking I'm, I'm I've asked Christian just privately numerous times like what do you think man are we going to have a football season so what do you guys think what's the next, what do we what do we deal what are we dealing with here Brooks I'll let you start off on that. So I've been very optimistic, very, um, I'm watching the TBT play out. I'm I'm hearing stories of how the TBT testing is going, how the, the, you know, the bubble system that they're working with, how they've, they've tiered the bubbles, uh, talking to Everline drives GM and how they got, you know, basically bounced from the tournament and what happened there talking to to people related to the NBA and what's about to go down in Orlando. And I just, I'll be honest, like I'm one, I'm shocked that the TBT has made it as far as it has because just seeing some of the information that's coming out about testing the way that it's extremely inconsistent, false positives. Some people take a day after exposure to show up positive, and some people take nine to 12 days. Um, and in that nine to 12 days, when they're coming up with negative test results, they're exposing themselves to other people, and it puts other people in high risk categories during that time. It's just a massive, it's like taking a snowball, flicking it down a, down a hill. And turning it into a massive, gigantic, destructive ball of ice. And I just, I, I know for sure, I know for sure that there are other NBA teams right now that COVID is running rampant through and they're about to have to shut down their practice facilities like some others have already had to do. And it's not even out there yet. And people are panicking with just a few that are released. Well, the Brooklyn Nets have had five positive tests in the last week. It's right. crazy. Right. Well, have you seen their roster? I know I know this is not Memphis related. So don't get don't I hope we don't get any emails. But um have you seen the the roster for uh the Brooklyn Nets in Orlando this year? Or for this for this bubble season, this little playoff turn? The best player on the team is Jeremiah Martin. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. He's not. Jeremiah's about to so get it is, run. So it is Memphis related. <laughs> Jeremiah Martin made the team to go down to Orlando and play. I mean, they've got Karis Lavert. They've got all these different guys, but their entire team, like five players, have been have tested positive in the last week. It's it's wild. 
Yeah, and and here are my thoughts on it, and I really haven't seen this discussed. Uh, it's just something that I've kind of been personally thinking about. Uh, but to lead into it, uh, I think they're going to do everything they can to make it happen, obviously. I mean, they, they want to play sports. There's a ton of money uh, in college football, especially for foot, quote-unquote football schools. Uh, I saw something today. I think it was Barton Simmons from 247 Sports. Somebody tweeted about the Ivy League schools potentially shutting it down. And uh, they were like, do you think this affects P5 schools? And he was like, no, not at all. It doesn't affect Power 5 schools. Ivy League schools play 10 games and have a conference championship. They're not involved in the playoffs and the bowl games and this and that. So I think the Power 5 schools and the G5 schools, they're going to try. But here's my thing. It's completely different when you're dealing with professional athletes who are getting paid to do this versus college students who aren't getting paid to do this. It's hard to keep college students at bay in a certain place and keep them locked down. Uh, professional athletes, like I said, they're getting paid to do so. They're getting paid to go play that sport. So uh, if they're not able to go out there and participate, you know that that ruins their legacy. It could hurt their paycheck. It could hurt a lot of different things. Uh, but there's there's not much incentive to tell a college student that he's got to stay in his dorm every day and the only place he can go is to football practice. That's that's difficult. That's going to be hard to do to keep all these college student athletes in a dorm and locked down. So for me, that's that's where I see a roadblock being is, is how do they keep these guys away from everybody else? And then if you know one player tests positive, what do they do with the whole team? You, you can't practice anymore. Everybody's quarantined. So there's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of layers to it. And it's going to be very interesting and, and very odd to watch it all play out. Well, when do you think that – I mean, when does a decision need to be made here? Because – they would have already. They're already. They would have been in summer practice already. Um, the you know fall camp starts in a, in about a month or so. What? When does a decision need to be made on what's going to happen? I mean, you would. I ima- think it's a day by day thing, man. <laughs> you would imagine it has to come soon because players have already reported. I mean, players reported, I believe, in early June. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So players have reported. And I think the the athletic office released that they had three student athletes test positive, and they didn't specify which sport. So they haven't had a ton of positive tests that are that are known or that are out there in the record books. So I guess that is a positive thing. But you know, as school starts, as activities start, that's going to get more and more difficult. Well, and here's the here's the interesting part for me. Y'all think about this: Harvard just announced they're going to all online remote classes. Students are not required to show up to campus. USC shut so it how, down too, I think. All California high, uh, colleges have been shut down in that regard. So how do you how do you require student athletes to show up to campus to games to travel to away games and don't have regular students on campus? One, it's a violation of a few different title rules. Uh, but two, it also shows that like we're we're on the verge of a massive shift in college athletics because you're already seeing college athletics shut down programs. You're seeing JUCOs shut down programs left and right. D2, NAIA schools shutting down athletics. It's discretionary. So you start slowly but surely seeing that trickle over into D1, low D1, you know, mid-major power five, but the moment that schools begin seeing any sort of writing on the wall that football is gone for this year, title nine is about to be obliterated. 
And, you know, the, the idea that these athletic programs for non-revenue sports must exist in equal capacity, it's about to have, they're going to legislate it to the Stone Age. It's going to be absolutely demolished. You're going to see tennis gone, soccer gone, golf gone, uh, women's, uh, you know, rifle shooting. I don't, you know, all of the, the random things that exist because of Title IX, they're about to be gone. And you're going to see contracts cut, you know, anywhere between 40 and 70% if this does not happen. It is crucial that this season happens. So I'll just say I, I hate to see where we're headed if it doesn't happen. That's all I'll say. Like, I just don't want to see it. Do you do you think that there's – have you heard from anybody? You're connected to pretty mid-major, low D1 colleges all across the country. When, when all this – is when we're outside of the fog of all this and everything is kind of lifted, do you imagine that there's going to be some programs, maybe basketball programs that people are going to be surprised aren't coming back? I don't know. Have you heard I think rumblings? I, no, I have not specifics. I think, um, I think most schools are going to try to hang on to the revenue sports. So basketball and football, you know, even for some mid major schools, their basketball programs are still revenue generating. Um, so I, th- I think the majority will try to stay with it. Um, the interesting things I have heard is uh, there are some schools where athletic directors have already notified coaches that the, the protocol will be that if a player, once if and when a season starts, for example, men's basketball season, let's just say theoretically in December, if a player on that team tests positive, the entire team is quarantined for 14 days and any contests scheduled for that 14 day time period are auto- automatically forfeited. How do you, how do you make sense of this? You, you can't. How do you, how do you string it's, a season it's together? Impossible. With that? So there are so many logistical hurdles. There are so many like the NCAA, like it, I've also heard talk about the idea of playing conference-only games where you know you start the season in January and you play no non-conference games this season. How do you have the NCAA tournament with no non-conference games when you, when you don't have the ability for mid-major schools to play their way up into – you don't have a Dayton beating – top 25 teams and working their way up the ladder to a top five team and a number one seat. You don't have that. If this happens, it's total chaos. Yeah. I think, I think, I think even, you know, if we do see sports played, if we see seasons abbreviated, whatever ends up happening, I think the narrative that will surround the season. And this is if everything goes perfect and you know, they're actually able to make it through a season and get to a national championship in both sports I think the narrative will be okay. Did the did the best team really even win? I mean, that's it's, I mean, just it's, like the it's NBA. not necessarily the NCAA's yeah, problem it's to just worry like about the NBA that. Restart. But it's just you know, it's got a huge asterisk beside it. Yeah, what's going to be funny? Who, who what's really going to be funny is you're going to look up at the NCAA tournament if that if if what you said is true about that if a if a one player on a team tests positive and they quarantine for four, the entire team has to quarantine for 14 days. And the games are forfeited within that week. You're going to look up and you're going to see the first ever 
uh, under 500 national champion in college basketball it's ever. Wild. <laughs> Number one seed is going to be like <laughs> 17 and <laughs> 17 and 19 or something like that. Well, not that many games, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of something that uh, Indianapolis Colts quarterback Philip Rivers pointed out today. He said, you know, what happens if we make it to Super Bowl week and somebody tests positive? So there are a lot of layers to it. There's a lot to unpack. It's going to be, like I said, pretty insane to watch. Uh, but anyway, guys, that kind of wraps up our football coverage on this episode. So let's take a quick break. We'll get back on the other side with Crystal Balls, Musa Cisse, and basketball recruiting. All right, Brooks, before the break, I mentioned we were going to get to Crystal Balls and Musa Cisse. This has been a hot, hot topic if you are on the LSU or Memphis boards. Uh, it's gotten a little ugly between the two fan bases over the past several weeks. Um, and this week specifically, going from the 4th of July weekend to where we are now, Tuesday night, we've seen nearly every Crystal Ball flip from LSU to Memphis, except these two guys that work for this small some 247 bums. sport. Yeah, some bums that work at this small 247 sports site called Go Tigers 247. Brooks, you've had your Crystal Ball in since November, late November. I've had mine in since late January. We've, we've held steady. Uh, now we're kind of seeing the fruits of that. Uh, Brooks, what do you make of all the crystal ball flips and all the craziness surrounding the Moose to Cisse recruiting up to this point? Well, it's, it's, I'm trying, I want to be diplomatic. I want to be extremely diplomatic and diplomacy is overrated. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't want to throw anybody under the bus or like try to come across as a know it all. Um, but I will say this. I've stayed very, very consistent and steady with my belief on where Memphis stood and what was going on with Musa because I felt very good about who I was speaking to both in and around the Memphis program, but also the people around Musa and college basketball in general. So, you know, for me, and I think I've talked about this before, but I view it information as puzzle pieces. Every person I speak to, everything they say is a piece to a puzzle. And I take every nugget and I turn it into a puzzle piece and I try to figure out how it fits. And I'll talk to, you know, someone else and I'll take one of those puzzle pieces and use it as a reference point to say like, you know, what do you know about this? And have you heard that? What can you tell me? And they provide maybe two or three other puzzle pieces. And after talking to a handful, two handfuls, dozens of people sometimes trying to track down what the real story is, you start to get a clear picture of where does everything fit together? What's going on? And that's my methodology. That's how I approach it. And whenever I see all these other people that have the same puzzle piece. They're all saying the same thing. I have to look at it and say, okay, is that circular information? Is that someone simply piggybacking off of something that they were told from, in this example, Billy Embody or Evan Daniels? Did they get one piece of information that led them to believe that LSU was a lock for Musa Sise? Now, I never said LSU was not in it. I said, you know, Memphis was in it, FSU was in it, and LSU was there. Um, so I, I look at it and say, is it circular? It, is it the same piece of information that has 
led to one puzzle piece or is it multiple? Do I need to track down where two, three, four puzzle pieces came from and figure out how they fit into the puzzle? So that's how I did this whole thing. That's, that's why I stayed with Memphis because um, while I fully believe that LSU staff thought that they had a chance to get Musa Cisse, I was talking to people that were saying otherwise. And it turns out in this situation, I look smart because the people I was talking to were right. Um, and, you know, and so that's, that's really what I'll, I'll say about that. I do. One thing I do dislike is the idea that other fan bases, and this happened with Auburn and Jalen Green, where I was right and they were wrong. They attacked me and the Memphis fans that were taking up for, you know, me saying that if Jalen Green plays college basketball, he's going to Memphis. But G League is a very legitimate threat. I was the person who broke the news that Jalen Green would be going to the G League. Um, and turns out everything that I said, my crystal ball, the way that I it trended, everything was correct. But the entire time, they were like, everyone is saying Auburn. You are obviously an idiot and have no idea what you're talking about. And it happened with LSU fans. Um, even after the the momentum shifted back to Memphis, I had an LSU fan come to our board and say that they thought I was a complete what did they call me? Uh, I think he said, uh, he he bleeped it out, but I think it was yeah. I think he called you a complete. Yeah. I'm like, what did I do to you? I don't even you don't know me. I don't know you. Like for for not changing my crystal ball, I'm a and I I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, you've said it. Are, you've said it from the beginning, Brooks. Like I, you, we've talked about this privately off air and on here too. Like you've had your crystal ball with Musa Cisse since November, but that doesn't mean that M- Memphis was always in the lead. That doesn't mean that LSU no. and Florida state weren't in the lead at some given point, but there, but this idea that all of a sudden everything shifted every, because of one person's crystal ball to LSU, everybody piggybacked off that to say that, yes, we're hearing the same thing which means they're probably hearing from the same person. Um, your circular sourcing your, and your best. response was everything that I'm being told through these puzzle pieces that I'm putting together is that it's not a lock to LSU. And so because of that, I'm not going to change my crystal ball just because everybody else is. And, and I think, exactly. and I think that that's the point, right? Like, just because somebody has a, that's why I love what two, four, seven has done with the confidence ratings, right? Like being able to, you know, instead of changing your crystal ball daily, you could change your confidence scores. And, and so, which I have a bone to pick with you, Christian, because your confidence score is still at a six for Memphis and people on the boards are asking why. No. Oh, you changed it. It's not. Well, there you go. Breaking. It's at an eight. Breaking news. Check breaking news. <laughs> check your facts but uh but yeah brooks i think i think that's a perfect example of how difficult putting together information and getting scoops and breaking news really is um and the common fan really really doesn't understand that because you're not dealing with you know four or five different people that you're that you're trying to talk to and put it together and say okay and trying to weed through okay this is this is true this is not they heard this from somebody else and there there could be some fabrication of this 
it's very difficult. And um, and there's somebody came on our board that is a LSU football fan and Memphis basketball fan, and they made a very long post, but it was very good, uh, in my opinion. They kind of summed it up really the way that I think you and I talked about it. And sometimes it is aggravating to see people piggyback, and you never know if that is the case or not. Um, but I will say this, and, and we're not company guys. We never have been. But I really do like what Billy Billy Embody and Shay Dixon and Sonny Ship do at, at Go247.com. Billy's somebody that I that I talk to. Oh, and Billy that, works you know, his tail off. Oh, he 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 goes on. The, he's the SMU guy and the LSU guy. He works he's done his butt stuff off. for us in the he's past. Pl- he, he's just a grinder, right? And so I have a ton of yeah. respect for those guys. So me sticking with that crystal ball had nothing to do with an implication about how they do what they do. It was all about just what I was hearing, you know, plain and simple. And it's it, people listening. It's in our name, twenty four seven. It is all day, every day. This is. I mean, I'm, I could hold up my phone and show you how many texts I've charged my phone four times today from how much I've used my phone today alone. And it is, it's insane. It is from the time that I wake up at, you know, five fifty-five, six o'clock in the morning until the time I go to bed between 11 and midnight, just texting, following up, making phone calls. And, you know, it's, it changes all the time. There's new information you stumble upon, you create new puzzle pieces and you try to make it fit. And the moment that that puzzle piece, that puzzle would have shifted and I I would have said, you know what, these pieces no longer fit it, or I have them in the wrong place. And it looks like the picture is now saying LSU, I would have changed it, but that never happened for me. So that's a little bit of a soapbox, but I think it's a good conversation to have. Um, I wish more people would take that approach. And I'm also very bad about like setting a crystal ball for non Memphis dudes and then forgetting about it and, and forgetting not, about it. I've done it twice. I've done it. My two misses are from yep, doing that. Like Josh Hall, I got right. And I knew he was ended up staying in the draft, and, but I, I forgot that I had him to NC state. So whenever he switched to pro, it's a miss for me. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah. It's not a perfect system. That's why, oh, this is a, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. That's why I love our community. That's why I love our boards. I focus so much time and energy on interacting with people, answering questions, posting updates there because it gives them an idea instead of just like an x-ray of a heart. It gives them like a finger on the pulse of that heart and it gives them like that moment to moment feedback of what's going on. That's that's my true crystal ball. You know, I can't tell you how often we break stories about where guys are going and I, I never even put in a crystal ball. Um, so anyway, all the time, all the time. I only have I think I have eight crystal balls logged right now for the 2021 football class and I've known every everyone except maybe one or two before it's happened so it's not a perfect science sometimes you forget like I said my two misses are Melvin McBride I had him going to Tennessee uh, from people that I talked to and then three months later he picked Arkansas because I had completely forgotten about it and the other one was a guy that committed to Memphis and flipped to Kansas State and because I didn't change my prediction from Memphis to Kansas State I I missed that one but yeah it's not a perfect science and I think this is a, a cool conversation to have because 
there's not many people that allow the fans to come into what you do every day. And I think, I think we try to do that quite often. And, and that's really what we're doing right now. Um, because people think we just get the news and the information sat in our lap and we just, we're just, we're golden. I we li- go I for it. But just on a daily basis, pull things out of thin air and like, Billy Madison, <laughs> exactly. you know, when they take the pickles off the sandwich and slap it on the window <laughs> and see which one yeah. runs down the fastest. That's how I choose what information yeah. I'm going to put out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if if people knew the hours that we've logged on the phone with with coaches and and other people close to recruitments, uh, that I think they would have a better understanding of the way this thing works. But yeah, it's it's a lot of work to break news. It's not it's not something easy. It's it's something that you can never forget about. If you forget for you know a couple of weeks to to hit up one source, you're gonna miss out on something. So it's it's about always being on. Uh, always talking to the people that you know are connected and and trying your best to deliver the correct news. So it's it's difficult. It's not an easy job. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll finish up our conversation about whatever else random we've got going on. See you all on the other side. All right. So last little section, I do want to hit on something real quick and I'm not really going to go into detail. We have... Uh, I, I feel like, and I, I don't pay attention to what other people do, but I feel like we have the, by far the most comprehensive coaching search update thread on the face of the planet as it relates to the University of Memphis basketball. Um, I'll just jump in on this. If you're a Memphis Tiger basketball fan and are interested in knowing what's going on with the coaching search, you got to join VIP, man. That coaching search thread is legit Brooks you Brooks and it's super interesting because there's a lot of moving parts yeah. um, and th- one of one of those moving parts that I wanted to talk about and I haven't even really hit on this in that thread is you know I've seen some people say why hasn't Penny Hardaway filled the open position left by Mike Mike Miller and you know my answer to that is why would he why, why would he? There's no motivation for Penny Hardaway to hurry and fill that spot at all. One, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know if and when college basketball is restarted like we've already talked about. They can't work with players officially yet. They don't have their eight hours yet. NCAA is still dragging their feet on that, of course. Um, anytime I can throw a dig at the NCAA, I will. Um, you know, and the dead period is extended until the end of August. You've got no evaluation period. You've got live streaming events uh, as your one source of evaluation. And I totally could see those getting shut down if you know you start seeing players test positive as a result of contact from games. So you have the opportunity to source information source scouts source information about players movement within the college basketball world in terms of transfers next season from 20 plus coaches that you're speaking to about these you know this open position and so now you're creating a a network a web of in my opinion the highest commodity in college basketball, and that's information. 
you are gathering information from candidate ABC and XYZ across the country, guys who are currently employed at the highest level, guys employed at the NBA level that have scouted high school players and know which guys you know should should be targeted by Memphis. You're talking about guys who are you know former Division One coaches that may be unemployed right now, former assistant coaches who are in flux. You've got all kinds of options, and the the level of information that each one of those guys adds to the equation for you is invaluable right now. So one is information. Two is if Penny Hardaway decided, and this, this is just theoretical, I'm not saying it's happening. If he wanted to hire a, maybe a division one head coach that was fired last season, that's currently unemployed. Well, that division one, that former division one head coach is not a division one head coach right now. He is not bound by NCAA rules as it relates to going out and recruiting. He can go to these events that are being live streamed. He can go to players' workouts and speak to families, coaches, you know, handlers, people who are around kids and helping with decisions. They can do that. And guess who gets to benefit by that? Penny Hardaway and the University of Memphis, completely within the rules, is done on a year-in and year-out basis. So I would say for those watching from the outside in that aren't VIP members and wondering what's going on, that that is a good indication of where this thing is headed. Uh, I would not expect a decision this week and probably not even next week, um, maybe even not even the next week. I don't, I don't think a, an impending decision is coming any given moment. So, um, thank you. That was a lot, Christian. What else? We I got think anything you, else? I think you hit everything you wanted to talk about there. That was pretty, uh, pretty extensive. <laughs> I think you covered all bases there. Well, on the basketball front. You actually just wrote an article about a four-star top 55-level prospect um, out of Wisconsin, I believe, in four-star. Uh, man, he's hard to nail down on a position. He's like a multi-positional forward uh, in James Graham. Tell us a little bit about James Graham, and then you can go straight into talking about the other recent offers. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned his versatility and his position is kind of hard to nail down. I think ultimately at the next level, he's somebody who can play the two through four depending on you know roster needs and and where he needs to play. Uh, you know, from watching his film and breaking him down, he's not the most athletic player in the world. He's not somebody who's going to woo you with his athleticism and jumping ability. But I think he has a very high basketball IQ. I think he's very good down low. I think especially for you know a six eight upcoming senior. Uh, he has very developed post moves. He's he's got a pretty smooth shot that I think he can continue to develop uh, on defense. He's really solid, like due to his size and his lateral movement. So he's a very versatile player, all around good player. Um, he's only a three star in the composite. I think he's one fifty in the composite, but in the top two four seven, he's number fifty overall. So uh, that tells yeah, you you watch that film and that that <laughs> that rating is off. No, yeah, and no, that t- that tells you that that rivals tends to be a little bit can behind shoot the ball. Yeah. Rivals tends tends to be behind. <laughs> I know you like my my player comps, Christian. Can I give a player comp on James Graham? Go for it. 
Um, I I saw his game. Uh, Brooks actually sent me some video of his game uh, of of, his, of some highlights, and and I started watching him, and I was like, oh my god, this is a young Carmelo Anthony in the paint in the post. His size, and he's got this sneaky athletic ability. He's not going to blow you away with his speed, but he's got the height and the length and the ability to get his shot off. In the like, I think I still think, and I know a lot, I know people have a lot of opinions on Carmelo Anthony and his game, but his post up jumper, his, his, um, in the paint is just one of the most beautiful shots in the game to me. I love it. I think it's gorgeous. And James Graham has that same kind of game and can extend out to the three point line, can get it into the paint. He's just a really, really talented player. He knows and, how and to use his body absolutely. to create yes. that space. And it's tremendous to watch a guy like that use his frame. And he's not even like the biggest dude. No. Like he's long, kind of slim, but he knows how to create. He creates contact to create that separation. And that's that's Carmelo Anthony to a T. Um, so who else? Who else is on the right? Uh, well, did you want to say anything about what James Graham had to say? Uh yeah, so it's a it's a VIP article, so I won't give too much away. You can go read it on the site. It's it's on the front page right now currently. Uh, but you know, throughout the interview, he talked a lot about the staff and and getting the offer and and we actually had message with him before, just you know, just talking to him and stuff and reaching out. And he he knew that the Memphis offer was going to be a a big one, and and he kind of reiterated that to me about about how big of an offer it was and how excited he was. Uh, to kind of build a relationship and talk with the staff. So throughout the article, if you want to go check that out, he uh, he talks a lot about Cody Topper, Penny Hardaway, um, making it to the next level and what the offer meant to him. So like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but it's on the site. Uh, it was a good interview. I think it was a, a good article. It turned out well. Not a lot of guys you can talk to right now and do interviews with. So for me to be able to do that right now, is it's, it's obviously nice. But yeah, go check that out. Uh, I think James Graham, like Kenny said, is a guy that's going to shoot up the rankings. Uh, his ability to finish and maneuver down low is 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 pretty special for his age and for his size. So go check that out. Go check out his highlights and and see what he brings to the table. Christian, who else has Memphis recently offered? Uh, Josh Minot. Is that how you said it is? Minot. Minot. I said it wrong again. Um, I'll let you take this one away. This is somebody that you've that you've told fans about for a while now. So so tell us tell us a little bit about him and and kind of what he brings to the floor. Yeah, so I think it was episode 66 we talked about, kind of did a big board favorite players to look out for. And my player was Josh. In that episode, his name was Josh Minot. <laughs> but now we know that his, his last name is pronounced Minot. Um, Memphis offered him. He is a long, lanky, skilled, multi-positional forward Um He's unranked. Yeah, unranked, six nine, super. I'm like super skilled. Like has a herky jerky kind of, um, like he's, and and I'm I'm not saying he's this player, but he's got some Grant Hill in him. That ability to to create space on the perimeter and immediately explode to the the bucket. It's a good comp, Brooks. Now I'm now comp. the Grant Hill. Grant Hill, like generational player in college. Yeah. Like that man was a bad dude. Like he's like you said, without those injuries, he's generational talent. So I'm not saying that Josh Minot is there yet, but he has that type of game 
and that type of skill level. Um, he's bigger than Grant Hill, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's like six nine, so he's just a yeah. little bit bigger. Um, tremendous prospect. Memphis offered him. Uh, they, you know, from talking to people close to the program, from speaking to even other college programs that have even recently offered him um, about Josh, they love his ceiling. They think that he's only starting to scratch the surface of how good he can be. Um, but he's a guy that I think you sell the idea of playing under Penny Hardaway well because he's he's got the ability to be a, a quote-unquote big guard. Um, so he's just super, super talented, has barely scratched the surface, and has not been seen. Like, just unbelievable that he's unranked. So um, who else? Yeah, one more that I can think of off the top of my head is Michael Trigg. Uh, very, very intriguing to me. Um, intriguing. Talked about him a few times. Yeah, that worked out pretty well, huh? <laughs> uh, it worked out pretty well. Um, 6'4", 230, plays a 2 and the 3 in basketball. He's not yet ranked on 247 Sports for basketball, uh, but he also plays football. He's a two-sport guy that wants to play both in college. Uh, as I mentioned, 6'4", 230, so perfect frame for the tight end position, which is where he plays in high school. Number five overall tight end in the 2021 class. Um, really good job by Memphis getting on him relatively early and giving him both offers. A couple of programs already have Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, South Carolina shown interest. I believe Illinois is offered both. So a lot of programs are starting to get involved. He, his recruitment is blowing up as we speak, and we'll probably continue to see offers roll in for him. Uh, over the next several weeks, but very intriguing on in, in both sports. Like I said, he's obviously a top level tight end prospect. That kind of speaks for itself. But he's he's pretty underrated on the basketball side. You don't get offers from the programs he's getting offers from if you're not if you're not a good basketball player. Um, and like I said, he can he can play a little bit of the two and the three. Uh, not not a big guy that's going to play a four and a five. You would typically think of with a tight end because he is only six four. But you know has the ability to play both. Has the ability to be a good player in both sports at the next level. So. It's always exciting to see a guy play two sports. I think it's, I think that's incredible. That's extremely difficult to do uh, at the collegiate level. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where his recruitment goes. Cause like I said, he's drawing a lot of interest as of late. Well, there's a dude down here in Alabama. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, his name is Jaquincy Kool Aid McKinstry. Uh, he is, his, his, but his nickname is Kool Aid. That's what everybody calls him. And he goes to Pinson Valley, 6'2, 6'3. Uh, plays DB and safety, and I tell you what, this kid just demolishes dudes. I'm talking about he's unreal, and he is a freak on the basketball court. Like he is unbelievable. He played alongside a kid named Cam Woods that's going to Troy, and everybody loved watching Pinson Valley because Cam Woods is he's basically like a Tyler uh, Harris type of player. Little guard can really shoot it, put up a ton of points. He averaged like 35 points a game this year. But the best player on their team was Kool-Aid, 100%. And Kool-Aid has offers from like basketball and football offers from Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Kansas. Kansas offered him a straight-up basketball scholarship, Florida. Um, But seeing guys like him – 
seeing guys like Michael Trigg, it's interesting to Jaylen me. Jalen Suggs. Yeah, like it's interesting Jaylen to Suggs, me. Jalen Suggs is a top, a top 10 basketball player and a four-star quarterback. That's impressive. That's crazy. But like, you know, you used to see dudes that could do that. Um, Julius Peppers, man. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, like it's, you just don't see dudes do that nowadays. And I think it's one, uh, the biggest reason I think is the football season is now extended so far into January. And you only really have February, March, and a little bit of April if you're a tournament team to have a football player finish up their season, recover, because that's a massive part of finishing your season uh, and then join the basketball team. It's just, it takes a special athlete to do that. So I'll be honest, Kool-Aid, Michael Trigg, love you guys, but I just don't, I know you're getting the basketball offers, but if you're going to college to play football, I don't see you ever making any sort of meaningful impact on the basketball floor. And it's awesome if he commits to Memphis and he plays football and kills it as a tight end. And if he comes and plays in shoot arounds with the team and and practices, great. But I don't I don't think I just don't see dudes like that making an impact in twenty twenty. Yeah, last dude I can think of for Memphis would be Sam Craft. Sam Craft played both sports uh, I think his first two years, but obviously didn't make much of an impact on on the basketball floor. So it's it's not easy. There's not many dudes that can make an impact on on. In both sports. Yeah, but Michael Trigg is a better football player than basketball player, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Top five tight end. He's a yeah, top I mean, 150 he's, guy. He's a beast. He, he would be one of those four-star guys that would give Memphis a chance of being top 25. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, I think we, we killed it. This is I've really enjoyed this. I feel like we've had a lot of meaningful conversation tonight instead of just uh, – wandering around aimlessly like we do sometimes so i appreciate you guys conversing with me tonight guys you got anything else i'm good kenny yeah i got something hollywood get your binky that's all <laughs> oh, i got oh man y'all y'all will know what that means soon we'll tell y'all what that means all right y'all that's a wrap thank you for listening to tigers in 20 if you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 